Welcome to the TBN UK podcast. In this series, you can hear some of the interviews from TBN Meets, where faith meets culture. Hear from Christian ministries, innovators, authors, artists, and creators. Enjoy. Hi, TBN family, and welcome to TBN Meets. Today, I'm joined by Carl Fays, who you will recognize from the show, Jesus the Game Changer. He is CEO of Olive Tree Media, which is an organization whose passion is to see the excellence within Christian media. And he's here with me today to talk about Jesus the Game Changer season two. So Carl, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Wonderful to be here yeah. at TBN. Thank you. <laughs> and for those of you, uh, for those people who are watching who might not know you, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? So we're from Australia. I live in Sydney. Uh, my background was in running churches. I happened to be in Baptist denomination and I ran a fairly large church in Sydney for about 20 years, but we kind of did media on the side, as it were, and, and balanced up a local church with media. And then about five years ago, stepped out into doing media full time. And so seeking to, to use media, documentaries, film, we do some in radio as well, to bring the message of Jesus uh, to a, a broad audience as we can. Wow. And, you know, on TVN UK, we have launched before um, season one of Jesus the Game Changer a few years ago. And it's exciting that you're here with us today to talk about season two. Can you just tell us a little bit about it? We'll soon show the trailer. But just before we get to that, what is this series? about? Both series are really about how Jesus, the first series is called How Jesus Changed the World and Why It Matters. And, and it's the idea that the life and teaching of Jesus actually has a pervasive influence even today in Western democratic nations. So it's about the change that Jesus made. Season two, we're looking at this theme of to the ends of the earth. How did the followers of Jesus go from a tiny backwater of the Roman Empire to be the largest global faith today? It's a remarkable story. Mm, wow, I'm really excited to see it. Let's take a look at the trailer. The spread of Christianity across the centuries is a remarkable story. From a backwater in the Roman Empire to become a truly global faith. It transcends cultures, social classes, language, and ethnic groups. The question we should ask is, what did the people who are most close to Jesus do after his ascension to the Father? And the answer is, they went on mission. Go and preach the gospel. Make disciples. But what compelled ordinary people to face difficulty, danger, and even death to take the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Is this idea of going where the gospel is not yet. I was living in darkness and Jesus bright light to my light. The ends of the earth is, is Jesus' way of saying no one is exempt. When you know that Jesus loves you and your sins are forgiven, he can't help but share it. Jesus the Game Changer to the ends of the earth follows the movement of Christianity around the world, telling some of the great stories of vision, faith and sacrifice. Our plea for the church in the West is never to give up this faith that we are dying for in Africa. It will take some cost. Are we really bringing the whole gospel in a way that is salty and light-bearing? You know, Christianity, in the face of persecution and opposition has actually taken this message to the ends of the earth. As people have talked about the life and teaching of Jesus, it's become a global game changer. 
difference is dissolved. Christ has come for the whole of humanity. The true missionary activity is, is not to find people who've never heard of Christ, but to go to the places where people have known and forgotten. Now, it's our time. Wow. It's really amazing how you're, you really do travel across the world um, for this series. How many countries did you visit? Uh, I, th I think it's 11 countries. Right. Uh, and, well, that's if you determine Ireland, Scotland and England as different <laughs> countries. But yeah, 11 countries across the globe in America, Asia mm -hmm. and Africa as well. And what motivated you to make this? Look, it's, it's this idea really that the, the, the idea behind both Jesus Game Changer 1 and 2 is this concept that faith has gone from something that was seen once as central then it moved to being seen as a bit irrelevant in the 60s, 70s. Uh, lately, it's in the, since the year 2000, it, it seems to have moved into a realm where it's seen as dangerous, that Christian faith and faith in general and religion in general is a dangerous idea. And what do you do with dangerous ideas? You take them out of the public square. But mm -hmm. we're trying to help people understand that Christianity is not a dangerous idea. In fact, gave us the values that built our public square. We don't want to just lecture people on that. We want to show them uh, introduce them to people, to great stories, to how the life and teaching of Jesus has literally changed the globe and given us our foundational values that most people just take for granted. But when you think about and read about and consider the world in which we live, those values didn't invent themselves. Often they came from the life and teaching of Jesus in the early church and the church over the centuries. Mm. That's a great story. Wow. And one of the countries you went to was Japan, right? Yeah, which is odd. Yeah, and is it right that Japan only has 1% of Christians? What was it like going, going there and you know, doing this show, Jesus the Game Changer, and talking about to the ends of the earth to a country that has only 1% of Christians? Uh, look, Emily, it was really interesting because Japan, we wanted to actually compare Japan and South Korea mm. because geographically they're very close to each other. But from a, a Christian point of view, they couldn't be further apart. I mean, South Korea has mega churches of hundreds and thousands and 30% Christian and Japan, small churches, uh, average size 25 people, only 1% are Christian. Wow. But it's the story of what happened in the 16th century. You know, Francis Xavier and the Jesuits first brought faith to Japan. They believed that there was 300,000 in the south western part of, of Japan as, mm -hmm. the, as the islands. And it grew to 300,000. Then the, then the shogun leaders shut it down. And there was 250 years of brutal oppression of Christians, mm. not just, oh, we don't want you to be Christian. It is, and not just, we will martyr you if you say you're a Christian. It is, we will torture you till you recant. And if you don't recant, we will torture your family until you recant. That went for 250 years, seven generations. And when a church was opened in Nagasaki in about 1865, Christians turned up who had been Christians for seven centuries under brutal oppression. And it's just this remarkable story that even St Stephen Scorsese made a, a movie called Silence out of that whole story. Wow. And over the 13 episodes, what are some of the themes that you talk about over the series? Well, in the 13 episodes, we sort of break it down in a couple of different areas. One is, is kind of... Um, historic, you know, Jesus, Paul, the, those early church, uh, um, St. Patrick in Ireland. Then we look at different regions as well. So Africa, uh, China, as we said, mm -hmm. Korea and Japan, America. Then we, we look at um, kind of specific issues uh, like Bible translation, which 
which sounds kind of dull, doesn't it? <laughs> and yet, like uh, Jane, who's my wife and the producer of the series, it's her favourite episode. And it's an outstanding story of change by, because people decided to put language in people's heart language. Persecution, which you can't avoid because ever since Stephen in the early church, people have always lost their lives. It seems every place the gospel has gone. And, and it's, that is a powerful story as well. And we kind of wrap up around the 20th century. So what's happened in the last 100 years mm. and how is this faith exploding across certain parts of the, of the world? So it's, it's a mixture of ge geography, subjects and time. Wow. And can you share with us more about this episode of Bible Translation? What can we expect from that episode? Oh, look, it's, a, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because you kind of think, well, it's a bit dull, isn't it? But <laughs> if you go back to the 1940s, 50s, 60s, there was a Whitcliffe Bible Translators started and they started going down to South America and into South American countries. And the amazing thing, Emily, is that many of them were women, mm. single women who in many parts of the church didn't have an opportunity. Yet they said, you can do this. And here are these people that would go to a tribe somewhere, yeah. sometimes thousands of people. Sometimes it was only a language group of a couple of thousand people. And, and they would work away like learning a language that nobody knows, that right. nobody's ever written, that nobody can understand, and understanding the language, turning the language into writing, and then translating the Bible into that language, mm -hmm. and then eventually having the Bible printed. So that if you did, it's all changed a little bit now, but it, it was an average of between 10 and 15 years of work before you had a New Testament printed. Wow. And there are hundreds of these languages have been printed across the world. It's, it's one of the great endeavors of mm -hmm. Christians and people, people paid for it with their lives again. Yeah. You know, they would go to these villages to connect with people, to try and mm. learn their language and to share the, the message of Jesus. And many died, yeah. many died. In Western Africa, which is slightly different from Bible translation, but in Western Africa, there were parts that Robert Woodbury, one of our guests said, parts where that 70% of evangelical Christian missionaries died. Mm. And they still went. Wow. That, yeah. I mean, it makes, it makes, me, <laughs> makes me feel almost shameful yeah. about the life that I live yeah. because that's what commitment looks yeah. like. But that's what's changed the world. Yeah, definitely. And I think also looking at, um, you know, looking at the world today, we, yes, of course, we should be going out to, to the ends of the earth, but also the world is, is across your doorstep. You know, yep. there's people from all over the place, like in London, for example. What, you know, what do you think is more receptive of, you know, going out to the streets and talking to people who have heard of Jesus, but have forgotten about yep. Jesus, yep. or to people who have never even heard that name? Yep. You know, what, what does that balance look like? Or what did you find out while traveling around the world? Look, I mean, obviously, if you go back, certainly a, a few centuries, mm. it was going to the ends of the earth. Yeah. In fact, it was interesting. It was discovering the ends of the earth yeah. with the Portuguese and Spanish. And suddenly, suddenly the world explodes yeah. in size and the Jesuits went with them. Mm. The Jesuits were the first international missionaries going to the ends of the earth. But n the world now is so different. I mean, we, we did some pieces in New York and New York is apparently the most linguistically diverse city in the world where there are 800 languages spoken in New York, 800 languages. And so millions of people have come to New York. I mean, going to the ends of the earth now is, as you su suggested, it's pretty much crossing the street mm. in many of the, and that's true of not just New York, but London, mm -hmm. uh, Madrid, Singapore, Sydney, all those cities are packed full of people. The rest of the world has come to our cities. And like the question about what is easier, I'm not sure what's easier. I mean, it, it's actually, I think in Western nations, 
where there's a high level of cynicism and sometimes deserved toward the church and the things that Christians believe, that that's a hard thing to break through. You know, it's a hard thing to have those conversations. But uh, people need to hear the message of Jesus. And so kind of getting going out and sharing that in ways that are a new, uh, vital, vibrant, acceptable. That's that's what we need to be trying to do. Definitely. And, you know, you've traveled across the world, but people can easily say, oh, the church is dying or, you know, the numbers in churches are depleting. What would you say to that, having been around and probably been to so many different churches around the globe? What what does the church look like to you today? The, the church is exploding. I mean, yeah. Rodney Stark wrote a book a couple of years ago. He's a uh, someone who was in our first series, and he he's written a book that's basically said the world is more religious now than ever. Wow. Now that's not just Christian; it's most faiths. Most faiths around the world are actually growing. The church in uh, sub-Saharan Africa is exploding. It is mm. just enormous. China, it's growing. South America, it's growing. The problem is in places like England, like America, some parts of America, not all, Europe especially, Australia, is we see a church kind of decreasing a bit. And we kind of think, oh, you know, that's past, that that era of faith has passed. That is certainly not the case. And and what's happened is over the last 100 years, the church has gone from being in the Northern Hemisphere Mm -hmm. and kind of in Western countries to Southern Hemisphere and in a way, Eastern countries as well as well as Africa. So mission, as it were, used to be, and this is one of the things we talk about in the last episode, mission used to be from the West yeah. to the rest. Yeah. You know, like, you know, England and, and yeah. America and, and Europe, and, and we, they sent mess, mm. message, uh, missionaries out. Today, it's everywhere to everywhere. Mm. And there's really interesting talking to both a Korean church leader, Billy Kim, and African church leaders who were saying, look, we look at the West and they're in trouble Mm. and we need to help our brothers and sisters in the West. They need us, as Billy Kim said on the trailer, now it's our time. And it's a remarkable thing. Wow. And for people who are living in those cities or countries that, you know, it does seem like people are not going into churches or not being receptive to that. What can we do? How can we get involved and how can we make a difference um, to our communities? Well, I mean, one of the things to say in general, Mm. that the death of the church in in a lot of Western countries or the seeming death of the church is often a death of nominalism, Mm. not a death of faith. So in other words, if you go back in a numbers of countries like our country, Australia, if you go back to the, the 60s, it was 95% Christian. And now, you know, you've got 30% of people saying no religion. Uh, 95% of people weren't Christians. They just ticked a Christian box. So now people are just not willing to say that they're yeah. Christian. They're, they're more willing to say, actually, I don't believe that. Well, that's just more honest. And it's probably, it's probably not all that bad. That's not to say there's not challenges, but we shouldn't be kind of thinking the church is all dying. One of the ways the church has always grown, and we've shown this in the first series, is that, that they cared that they wouldn't just preach, they cared. Mm. And, and that sense of being in the community, of making a difference, of speaking into people's lives, of being there when nobody else would, that has made a huge difference. So it's not, it, it is about sharing the message of Jesus. Mm. It is about talking about what Jesus means to us. And it is about helping people understand the difference that Jesus has made, which is what these two series are about. But it's also being there when people need us. Yeah. And that has actually made a huge difference. Wow. wow. And for you, uh, filming this series, what were some of the standout moments? 
Oh, look, my, my wife, the producer, Jane, says that uh, I have a man crush. <laughs> uh, a guy from, uh, uh, from England here called Tom Holland. Now, apparently the guy in the movies is called Tom mm -hmm. Holland as well, but it's a different Tom Holland. And Tom Holland is just a remarkable guy. Mm. Uh, he's a, um, he's, I, if Tom ever watches this, I, I think he would agree with me. I don't think he's right there as a Christian yet, which is kind of interesting. But a standout was a, a, an article I was given that he wrote and then interviewing him, which is so interesting. Mm -hmm. And his book has just been released and it's on this subject. Right. And he, he actually, he was a great fan of the Greco-Roman world, just loved the Greco-Roman world, loved everything about it, loved the Spartans, uh, did uh, documentaries, wrote books, mm -hmm. quite well known for it. But then I wrote an article, which is why I changed my mind about Christianity. Mm -hmm. And he realized that the Greco-Roman world, their values were repellent. Mm. against the values of today. Like they really didn't care for people. They would kill babies that were, right. that were disabled and they didn't really give it a second thought. They wiped out people by their thousands, didn't care about it. And he was, he was asked himself the question as an historian, not, not as a religious leader, as a historian, they asked the question, so he asked the question, what changed? How come now we kind of care for the individual in a way that they didn't then? And he basically said, it's the life and teaching of Jesus. Now, that's an historical reflection. So there's people like that that we met were just quite remarkable people. People like Mar Maryam and Marzier, who were jailed in Iran for nine months for handing out Bibles, uh, eventually were let out of jail, and now live in America, just passionate heart for Jesus, found faith, in, in both from Islamic families and backgrounds, found faith in Tehran through the, into the person of Jesus and then decided that God called them to give out Bibles. Hassan John we met and we interviewed him in Africa. He works in the north part of Nigeria, the northwest of Nigeria where Boko Haram mm. um, have destroyed, burnt down 3,000 churches and more than 100 pastors have been killed. That's where he works. He says, I, every day I come home and thank God for another day that I'm still alive. He said when he was his bishop of his area, when he when he ordains people into ministry in that area, says these men have signed their death certificate. When I said to Hassan John, so what, what would you say to the church in the West? And he said, don't give up on this faith in freedom in the West that we are dying for in Africa. I mean, these are inspirational mm -hmm. people with stunning lives and who tell quite remarkable stories. I'm not gonna tell you the story, but I want, to, want your um, viewers to be sure to watch the story where Hassan John talks about when a guy in his church said, maybe we should buy an AK-47 to keep us safe, a machine gun. Mm. And if we see a, a suicide bomber coming towards us, we can take him out before he gets here. Maybe we should do that. You gotta watch the story of what happened. Wow. They didn't buy the gun, but they were saved. But it's quite a remarkable yeah. story. So those, those sorts of stories. Yeah. And then, as I said before, about places like Japan, which is an inspiring story. And then, then Africa is just incredible. And visiting um, Ethiopia was beautiful. Wow, that's amazing. And what, what were some of the challenges that you came across? Oh, well, you know, <laughs> Jane, again, my, my wife is a producer, got very sick in Africa. And I remember waking up, she was very unwell. And we, we woke up in the morning in, in, uh, in Ethiopia. And I said, and she's still, she's, just use your imagination, she is unwell. Okay. And it's a bit like, okay, well, I can put you on a plane back to Australia, mm. or you can come with us and fly five hours uh, from Ethiopia to Ghana. Oh. Uh, let's see how that plays out. <laughs> that had its moments. There's a moment in um, South Dakota where we were about to get on a plane. We were about to fly to, to Chicago to mm. two really significant interviews for the whole series. 
And at 12.30 at night, our plane was supposed to leave at six. At 12.30 at night, they canceled our flight. And, and all the flights were full. Like the, we couldn't get on a flight for two or three days. Wow. And so we go down to pick up our luggage and there was an angel, in other words, a lady at 1.30 in the morning standing behind the, the Avis counter. I'm not yeah. sure what she was doing there. We went over and said, can we hire a car? She hired us a car and we drove to Chicago for the next wow. 10 hours. Wow. So uh, through, through uh, meters of snow, it would seem, the, yeah. the, the road was clear, but there was, it was cold. But it was, um, that was a kind of interesting yeah. moment. So they're, like, they're those moments are, uh, that are, are, are just mm. fabulous, but, yeah. but stretch you as a team. Definitely. Yeah. And for when people watch this, what do you, what's, their, what's your hope for them when they watch it? What do you hope it does to their faith? Um, and how do you hope it will encourage them? Do you want them to kind of go out to their streets or share this with their friends who might not know God? Or what is your hope for it? it it's intriguing because when you start talking about, okay, we're going to talk about how the church grew, mm. it, you can almost see people glaze over in their eyes. Okay, another boring history show because <laughs> that's what you think, you know, and I probably I think that myself a bit. But it, we want to inspire a fresh passion for the gospel in the, in the church across the globe. Yeah. That's what we want to do. Right. We don't want to just tell boring stories from yeah. history because they're not boring stories. If you tell them, well, they are, they are fabulous, wonderful stories of faith, of commitment, of, of giving yourself to a cause that you love. And why, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because you believe that the life and teaching of Jesus changed the world yeah. and you believe that the gospel matters yeah. and you believe that people who have never heard about Jesus will be better off if they hear. Yeah. And you believe that even if it costs me my life, mm. I will give myself to this, to this outcome. The church needs to learn that again. Yeah. We need, like, I need to learn that. I need to be reminded that my faith is not just built on the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. It's actually built on generation upon generation of faithful people who've talked about Jesus and shared it in some of the most difficult circumstances around the globe. If you are not inspired by that, you, there's something wrong with your heart. You're probably dead. Like, <laughs> it's just, a, it, it's wonderful material, yeah. Emily. And, yeah. and, to, and to hear these stories and to understand our heritage as Christians, mm. um, and that, you know, as Billy Kim, as I said before, said in, the, in, the, in this trailer, and I, every time I watch it, I've watched the trailer heaps of times, it still inspires me. Now is our time. And now is our time. And the next generation won't be there if we don't take up our opportunity. That's the inspiration behind it. And, you know, speaking into the next generation a bit more, you know, that these stories they might have never heard of. Yep. You know, people might have not read a book about, yep. you know, the people that you're speaking to, but you know, they'll watch something and they, they'll see them on the screen yep. and they'll want to know. So, you know, what would you say for the next generation? What's your hope for them um, in, you know, going to the ends of the earth? Look, I think for the next generation, it's, it's don't despise or despise is a strong word. Don't dismiss the generations of the past. Yeah. Just as an example, most people have heard of St. Patrick, mm -hmm. St. Patrick of Ireland. And he's almost seen as this sort of mythical, almost humorous green beer get rid of snakes type story. The next generation need to learn what I learnt in doing this series. You know, St. Patrick was taken as a, as a slave, as a 16 year old. He was stolen from his family, probably in Wales, there's some conjecture about where, where this was. In the sixth century, he's stolen from his family, a wealthy family um, by, by pirates as it were, taken to Ireland, which was kind of the ends of the earth then. Yeah and sold as a slave. Wow. And Patrick lived 
on these on this this area on this mountain called Slemish where we filmed lived looking after someone's animals for six years but in that time started to pray a hundred times a day long story which I'll be really short on here's a voice said there's a ship waiting for you ran like literally because he went quite further south probably somewhere near Dublin there was a, there was a ship waiting talked his way on gets back home when he gets back home it goes into ministry feels God calling him guess where Ireland <laughs> and he goes back to Ireland as a missionary to this place that held him as a slave for six mm. years I bet you Emily but I think if someone I was if I was freezing cold at night looking after somebody's ship because I'd yeah. been take ripped from my home and sold as a slave I think I'd be angry and bitter yeah he wasn't angry and bitter and he felt the call of God and was willing to go back that literally changed the world I mean to, you know, if you hear St. Patrick in Ireland, it's sort of seen, you know, 17th of March, we, yeah. St. Patrick's Day, all that sort of stuff. This is an inspiring follower of Jesus with a missionary heart that literally changed Ireland. And then they went from Ireland to Iona in Scotland, followers of St. Patrick years after St. Patrick's from Iona. They went to Lindisfarne near, near Newcastle, North England from there to Glastonbury, Glastonbury, then other missionaries from Ireland and those places went to Europe as far down as Northern Italy mm. and were part of the re-Christianization and a mission through Europe. Mm. That's, that's history, yeah. but that's inspiring. Yeah. And, and every generation, every generation needs to relearn yeah. those stories and rehear those, that history yeah. and be inspired again by great people with great faith. Definitely, wow. Well, I'm very excited to be watching this series and thank you so much for joining me today and just sharing about, you know, that Jesus, what he did to this world and it completely yep. revolutionized and changed all our way of thinking. And I think what's so great is you're, you do go to all these different countries. You are going to the ends of the earth. You know, you are going to all these places and talking to, you know, such a vast range of people and hearing how Jesus has just changed their lives completely. So I hope it does inspire everyone and encourage them and really stir up their faith. Um, thank, you. thank you so much for joining me here today. It's been a, it's been a pleasure having you with us. Thanks, Emily. <laughs> it's been great. At TBN UK, we want the gospel to be in as many homes in this country as possible. And you can partner with us in this mission by praying, sharing or giving. For more information, visit tbnuk.org slash partnership. And remember, you can watch us on TBN UK on Freeview 65 or Sky 582.